BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai, entrepreneur, wife, and mother of three, once divorced and now remarried to a much younger man, uncut and uncensored with Caroline Stanbury follows me as I live my life unapologetically and shows you that there is life after 40. I'm here to let you know that not only is there a life after divorce, but you have the power to make it your best one yet, just like I did. So buckle up and join me for the wild ride. So welcome back to another episode. And today I am joined by Rebecca Feingloss, and you are a grieving educator, advocate, and founder of Grief Leave. I actually think this is so important because actually just reading through your bio, it does, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I actually thought that it might be if, if um, you know, a spouse died, but you're right. Having even an in-law or your parent or a family member die also puts such stress on a marriage that it can lead to divorce and to the end of a relationship or to relationships going south. So I hadn't thought about it like that, actually. And um, well, welcome to the show. Caroline, thank you so much for having me. And I think you've already kind of hit the nail on the head. Like we think about grief as being death only, but grief is all different kinds of things like divorce, which we can talk about, but then all these other types of grief that we feel like death can then impact the relationships we do have and change them. But it's a pleasure to be here. And I love your podcast and you. So this is- Oh, thank you. Lovely to have you. You're absolutely right. Grief does come in different shapes and forms. And it's not just about death. It's also a lot of people grieve their relationships. If you've been in a relationship as long as, you know, some of us had, it's a loss and you have to have find a whole new life. And especially if you didn't want the relationship to end and if you weren't the one pulling the trigger, then, you know, it's a grieving process. And some people say it takes longer than the relationship to get over the relationship, which is um, something I don't agree with, but other people sort of wallow in. It is. But you know, the interesting thing about grief that I think you also just pointed out is we might not think that we have a right to grieve our divorce if we were the one that chose to end it, which I was. I chose to end my marriage, but I still felt grief about it. I imagined my whole life with this person and I tried so hard and I imagined a family, I imagined a house, I imagined kids. And even though it was my choice, man, did I grieve that life that we didn't get. I think it's interesting because even if you do, obviously, 
it takes you a long time to sort of pull the trigger to do it. I know it does as a woman. I don't know how men um, action these things, but as women, we sort of tend to procrastinate, think through every scenario and go through it, through it all. So a lot of the grief happens while you're still in the relationship, which is interesting. Totally. I think you're exactly right. And I, I mean, I was in a relationship with my ex for 10 years. We were married for six. We got married pretty young. I really believed that if I worked harder, then things would get better. And I had such a forward-focused vision of that relationship. And it really wasn't until my father's death and I found myself at age 30 with two dead parents in the middle of COVID lockdown. Um, my spoiler, my mother died when I was a kid too. So two dead parents. My dad died very suddenly on day one of COVID lockdown. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's wild. I was then in my condo with my ex with nowhere else to look. He died from COVID? Relationship. Did my father die of COVID? So it's unclear. No, he died of a, a two pulmonary emboli pulmonary embolisms, blood clots in his lungs, there is a chance that he could have had COVID like many months before we really knew what that was. And that was a side effect, ostensibly no. Oh my goodness. So you're now in lockdown and you, you were sort of in that terrible, I mean, people that lost family members in lockdown was just awful because you weren't even able to say goodbye properly or leave your house or have a funeral. And I don't think it's properly really taken into account by people what that must have felt like, because a lot of people weren't given the time to be able to grieve. And I can't even imagine being locked at home with a husband and probably wanting to get out and, you know, go and express yourself. And it was not a fun time. And I worked, I had a, a career that I really loved at that point. I worked in state government. I'm from North Carolina, born and raised. And so on the same day that my father died very suddenly. I was in our governor's office figuring out how we were going to shut down schools across the state. Then I got the news that my father died. Then my whole life changed. And then everyone's life changed because of COVID. So it was just this like triple whammy of so much grief, loss on top of loss on top of loss. And I had learned from my mother dying as a kid that, oh, if you just like push your feelings down, you can work through anything. I mean, you're a hard worker like me, right? Like we, we hustle. That was my entire identity. And suddenly with two dead parents and trying to do everything that I could to keep my relationship working in the middle of COVID lockdown and trying to do my job for state government, it just felt overwhelming. And I knew... I knew the relationship wasn't working, but for so long, I had been too scared to do anything about it. Got to be honest, listening to that story, I don't think anyone, any relationship would work at that point. You know, you know what I mean? Reasonable. Like, how do you know that you weren't just having some sort of a, you know, mini breakdown, which is absolutely acceptable going through what you're going through? So rather than the, it's the relationship, because a lot of people you confuse, you can be very emotional. Obviously, there are times in your life where you and, and, and in those kind of times, a lot of times you want to be on your own. You want to push everybody away from you. How do you know the difference from going through a very highly charged emotional time in your life to actually knowing that, no, this is never going to work again? I mean, what what was he irritating the fuck out of you in the middle of it? Or like, you know, it's like, 
Or was it just, he, you know, he, he didn't know what to do with you? Or was it just like you just woke up and was like, okay, everything is wrong. I just need a clean slate, you know? Oh, Caroline, what a great question. So I think I want to connect back to something that you said earlier, that as I can I'll speak for women, because that's really all I know. And I know my own experience. Women take a long time to decide to get divorced. It is not usually a rash decision, right? We weigh the pros and cons. We are weighing whether the known concerns that we have in our relationships, what we know isn't working, is that scarier than the unknown of leaving? This is and such I an important that. point. Sorry, yeah. it's such an important point because so many totally. people think that we just jump up one morning, whether it's for you know, a new man, a new place, and just go, oh, there's someone hot, I'm off. There's a nice job. I'm, you know, it doesn't work like that. It does not. Women don't do that. If there's any men listening right now, they don't. They they consider every bloody angle too much, too long. I think it is a a wonderful part of my brain that I can analyze every single detail of anything, and it's also like a terribly overwhelming part of my brain. Right? We were in a relationship for ten years. We were married for six years. That's a long time. And ostensibly, we had both come from single parent households. We had both lost parents when we were young. And I thought that that shared trauma, that shared deep understanding and deep love was enough. And that if we kept working hard together, that the things that were never actually working well in our relationship could work. And I kept having that optimism. I'm a, historically a pretty optimistic person. But when my dad died too, I had to look in the mirror and ask myself, you know, is this relationship really working? Is it going to work? I know that love is there, but is love actually enough to keep a relationship together and to make a relationship healthy? And the answer is no. And it was so frightening. But at that point, for me, the known relationship staying was scarier than the unknown of leaving. And I made the decision. Let's take a little break from the show and talk about something we all love. It's a woman's favorite thing, diamonds. Did you know you can tell the difference between laboratory-grown diamonds and natural diamonds? Well, laboratory-grown diamonds are mass-produced in factories in just a few weeks and are easily detected due to their distinct patterns. On the other hand, natural diamonds are over a billion years old and support the livelihoods of over 10 million people worldwide. That really is the positive impact of natural diamonds. It's widespread. Around 80% of the value of every rough diamond remains in local communities and supports infrastructure, healthcare, education, and environmental protection. So next time you're thinking of celebrating any special moment in your life, anniversaries, birthdays, Christmases, remember your natural diamond also protects vulnerable wildlife species and brings prosperity to many less fortunate communities around the world. So for more information, visit naturaldiamonds.com. From the offices of Create and Cultivate, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the host of Work Party a podcast for ambitious women looking to create and cultivate the career of their dreams. Work Party is paving the way for a new generation of women, women who are redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. 
Every Wednesday, we bring in leading female powerhouses for real talk and BS-free advice on building your business. You'll hear from female founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, creatives, and so many other badass ladies. Are you ready to create and cultivate the career of your dreams? Then tune into Work Party, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show and never miss an episode. It's summer, ladies, so it's the worst time to suffer with uncomfortable bras. I mean, I try not to wear them anyway because I can't bear getting home at the end of the day and trying to rip it off. But thankfully, I've discovered Honey Love. It's revolutionized the bra game. Upgrade from traditional bras that use uncomfortable underwire and bulky fabrics that trap heat. Honey Love's bras feature support bonding that eliminates the need for underwire without sacrificing the lift. It's a game changer. Plus, they're made with fabric so soft it feels like a second skin. You'll immediately feel and see the difference. It's so next level, you'll actually forget you're wearing it. So I can actually sleep in mine, which is amazing. And not only that, it kind of doesn't give you that sort of uni-boob and separates them and lifts them. And so it's great if you've got fake boobs like me and, and get sleep lines at light to sleep in because it holds your breasts apart. For a limited time, you can get Honey Love on sale Treat yourself to the best shapewear on the market and save 20% off honeylove.com forward slash uncut. Use your link to get 20% off honeylove.com forward slash uncut. Cinched, snatched, lifted. It's hot girl season, ladies. Thanks to Honey Love. Let's get back to the show. I had the same thought as you, which is the fear of not knowing what it looked like the other side and just always staying there was scarier than, you know, making the leap. And so many women don't, you know, like they don't have the means, which is devastating. And, and too many women stay in relationships that are not right for them, but they get really stuck. And divorce procedures in the U.S., I, I mean, they're hard globally, but here it is exhausting to try to get divorced. And so even just the fear of going through that process is daunting in itself. Well, it's not much fun over here either. <laughs> but, you know, I think what it's I... It's not fun at all. No, it's not fun. But I think, you know, the one thing is if you go through things like this, you prepare yourself a lot better second time round. But I think that grief is, you know, as I said, I mean, people lose children. People lose parents. You know, you've already lost the, the trauma of losing one already. And then the next one, I mean, that, those are profound effects on anyone is my point. You know, COVID is a completely unnatural space to be. You know, you can't even get out of your house if you have the row. So, you know, you went through things that most people will never experience ever. And so, you know, what what do you think were the catalysts or what do you think is important? You, you said that it's not just love. What do you as a young, young girl think that, um, you know, is important now, or you think you've learned from this or taking away from this? You know, a question that I get asked often, Caroline, is if I regret the marriage or if I regret having stayed in it for so long. No. And I don't regret it at all for the exact reasons that you've just asked about, like what basically what did I learn from it? And I learned so much about myself in particular coming out of the divorce. I was in a relationship where I wanted to be understood when I was younger. Having lost a parent so young and experienced that grief and that trauma, 
you can't really understand that until you go through it. There's no good age to lose a parent, but my God, 13 is too young. I was five years old when my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer, so my entire childhood was colored by her illness. And my ex understood losing a parent young, too. I was sold. I mean, that's really what I wanted. When I was young, I wanted to be understood. And the older I've gotten, I don't feel so young anymore, but the older I've gotten, I know that I need to understand myself. I need to know who I am. It is not a partner's job to complete me. That is not at all a spouse or a partner's job. I have to feel really complete, and I am looking for someone who can be a compliment to me, but I'm complete already. And that is the fundamental shift in how I'm approaching dating and relationships now. It's so important because I think, you know, otherwise we're also going to be heading to this terrible place where people just don't want relationships, long-term relationships anymore, because everyone's become so sort of like worried about marriage, what it means, selfish and not able to move on, or they're, they're hurt by people. And when you're hurt by people after divorce, a lot of people go on and they don't want another relationship or you know, are scared to enter these things again. I think the grieving process, as you said, is a very important one, whether you've left or not. Everybody has to grieve the end of something, be it a career, be it a relationship, be it whatever it is. And and actually probably having this um, grieving, uh, uh, sorry, how do you say it? You set up- Grief leave, yeah. I'd love to tell you about it, yeah. Yeah, grief leave. But having something like this has probably helped you my whole life is different, Caroline. I never was the girl that you would think, like, I was just so tracked. I was very focused my entire childhood and my career. I was going to be in government. I was the high achiever. I was very focused on education, um, making the most of my career. And I think that was in response to a society that told me when my mom died when I was a kid that I was doing a really good job handling that. If I was a good student, if I was a good friend, and if I didn't show that emotion, if I didn't show that sadness, and I was, I was the good kid. And for me, it took my dad dying and getting a divorce and living through a pandemic for me to realize, holy cow, actually the really strong thing to do is to face the emotions that we have, to face our grief and move forward with that grief because every single person around us, you, me, Joe Schmo walking down the street, everyone is grieving something right now. But we're all pretending like we're not. It's this fascinating irony of the world that this singular human thing that we all experience is the most taboo to talk about. But that's ultimately what I decided to explore. I quit my job and I decided to take a year off to grieve every single day. I called it grieve leave. I blogged about it and it took off. That was 2022. And now we're a community of thousands of people and I've, I've transformed it into a company. And I teach people and support people about what grief and grieving is to make this taboo, scary thing, not so taboo and scary anymore. What is sort of the most common kind of... Um not complaint. I don't know how to say it. Again, I haven't heard of anything like this before. What's your grief? <laughs> grief that comes to you 
uh, I know, and here I am laughing through it. I'm not laughing, people. It's just I, I'm trying to find my words. And anyway, if we don't we laugh, laugh, we're going to cry. So too. let's okay. let's not cry. Let's laugh. Um, what is the most common form of grief, I suppose, that people that come to you or find you? Yeah. Grieve, leave. In our community, we talk about grief that isn't just death. So we talk about all kinds of grief. We talk about breakups and divorce grief. We talked about job transition grief. We talk about um, moving across the country and grief you might Ooh, feel. Ghosting. We talk about the- Friends. Say that again? You know, grief, friendships grieving. You know, people get ghosted all the time. I get this all the time asked, how do you deal with it? That's a good one. Getting ghosted, can I just say, was probably the worst experience I had dating right after my divorce. The first, the only time really that I've been ghosted. Don't ghost people. Don't do that to people. That's just like my PSA to the world. Because as someone who has gone through significant amounts of grief, like feeling totally abandoned without any explanation, I would so much rather a guy just text me and be like, hey, Rebecca, it's been a fun couple of months. Loved getting to know you, but I, I'd rather just be friends. I would so much rather just get that text than nothing. Yeah, it's That's so awful. weird. It's so weird. It's so, it's so, um, so weak. It's so weak. I don't, I don't understand it. I really don't. It takes two minutes, as you said. And in fact, normally the women that I've met that get ghosted, they then end up sort of like texting and texting the guy going, you know, hello, hello. Whereas if they just got the one text from you saying, hey, not interested, uh, nice knowing you, they wouldn't do that. So actually what you think you're achieving, you're not. Totally. You're leaving everyone unsettled, right? Yeah. But it's like, as humans, we're so scared to talk about the hard things. We're scared to say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. But for anybody, please don't ghost them. But especially for someone who's gone through grief, like big grief, don't ghost them. Please don't do it. Let's take a little break from the show and talk about Western Hotels. With over 200 destinations around the world, Western Hotels make it possible for you to keep up with your wellness routine while traveling. This, for me, is a game changer. With signature offerings to help you move, eat, and sleep well, Western Hotels make a travel opportunity to enhance your well-being, not detract from it, which um, is key for someone like me who's always on the move. At Western Hotels, you can work out how you want. They have a variety of fitness options to keep your wellness routine on track while you're away. So maintain your focus in Western workout fitness studios that are equipped with state-of-the-art equipment. You can get moving on a group run by Western's Run Concierge, a running guide or buddy, which makes it so easy for you to explore the local areas. This, I think, is amazing because if you're new to an area and you're running on your own, it's easy to get lost or end up in the wrong place or, you know, it's scary. So to have a running body and a run concierge, I think, is so clever. Run like a local. There'll be three and five mile scenic run maps, which make it easy for you to find and explore the best route on foot. Or just do your own thing with the workout and recovery gear available through demand through Weston's gear lending program. Again, genius. If you're on the move and you don't want to carry all your workout gear, they'll lend it to you and you simply just give it back. Customize your workout while you go on with Hyper Ice and Bala products to borrow during your stay. Eat well also with Weston's Eat Well menu designed with foods that make sure you meet your nutritional needs. 
So basically, Western chefs have crafted dishes with your well-being in mind. Choose what was right for you and the desired portion size and nutritional balance. Western makes it easy for you to continue to nourish your health no matter where you are in the world. Lastly, you can recharge your body and mind with a restorative sleep in Western's renowned heavenly bed. I actually do this at home every single night. I put lavender balm on my pillow. It eases my tension and soothes your senses and you sort of just drift on into a gorgeous sleep. And I love that a hotel has actually thought about the little things because it really does make a difference, especially if you're on a work trip and you're stressed. It's amazing. At Western Hotels, there are amenities, offerings aimed to help you move well, eat well, sleep well, so you can keep your well-being close while away. Find wellness on your next stay at Western. Western Hotels is also part of Marriott Bonvoy, an extraordinary portfolio of hotel brands and an award-winning travel program. Let's get back to the show. Let's take a little break from the show and get ready because there's a brand new season of the Kardashians. They're back for their fourth season on Hulu and it's bringing all new drama. Kim and Courtney pick up where we left them, fighting like sisters, but nothing eventually ever comes between the family. And it's always family first. And I think that's a really valuable lesson for all of us out there, no matter what, family first. There are definitely some new developments this season, new feuds, new relationships, blind dates. I mean, I'm on reality TV and this isn't hard to do, to open yourself up every aspect of your life and have no private time. When those cameras are up, they are up. There's a fabulous family vacation, an unfortunate fashion mishap, and things turn on a dime, which is like it does for all of us in our everyday life. Just as you think everything's perfect, something happens to trip us up. Chloe has a new surprise house guest, but as usual, and it's not what you think. And in case you haven't heard, Courtney and Travis are having a baby. I mean, you'd have to be on an, under a rock not to have heard that, and I can't wait to see that baby. The famous matriarchy is giving the deepest look into their personal lives yet, and we're all here for it. These ladies are moving fast and forward together as a family, and it's our favorite time. I love watching their family dynamic, and I can't wait because this season, we're going to see a lot more Scott, Kylie, Courtney, and Travis, which I think, you know, I love the fact that they, no matter what, divorced or, you know, remarried, everybody stays together as a unit. And I think we can all learn a lot from that because, you know, even if you divorce someone, they're still family if you've got kids. So don't forget to tune in for plenty of laughs this season and catch all new episodes of The Kardashians on Thursdays streaming only on Hulu. I absolutely can't wait. Set your clocks. Let's get back to the show. What on earth does a year of grief leave look like? I mean, do you just yeah. sit in bed with crisps and watch Netflix? Um, follow up. Are crisps potato chips yes. or cookies? No, they're potato, potato chips. Chip. Okay, great. Because both accurate. So I think of myself as like a pretty research-driven, evidence-based person. And I was not like a woo-woo person. I had never done yoga in my life because I was not patient, nor was I flexible and didn't want to get quiet. Like I never made time for my feelings at all. And suddenly at the end of 2021, divorced, two dead parents, pandemic, I was so done. And I just felt like this 
feeling of being so done had something to do with grief. But I just didn't know what it meant to actually grieve. Like people will say after a death, oh, take all the time you need. But like to do what? What exactly are you supposed to do? And answering that question was my goal every single day of 2022. So I explored what grief and grieving actually means. I did all kinds of things in that year. But sometimes that looked like eating crisps in bed and watching Netflix for sure, and making space for whatever feelings that I was actually feeling about my loss. Sometimes that grieving, let's talk about what grieving my divorce felt like in that year. I deleted thousands of photos of me and my ex from Facebook and from Instagram and from my iPhone and probably still some on my computer somewhere. But I did it slowly and sat through each photo and thought about that feeling of loss that I felt as I deleted each one. That's oh, I've what never, grieving I've is, never deleted Caroline. any. He's still on my phone and Ooh, my Instagram. Interesting. Never. What, uh, what made you decide to keep them? Never thought about it, really. Just why would I get rid of it? I was married 18 years. He's the father of my children. He's not going anywhere. I love that. I'm not going to erase him. So, but is it, you don't have children, so maybe it's different. So what you're pointing out, first of all, like in grief, you do you, right? Like you should process your loss however makes the most sense for you. And if keeping those photos helps you remember a, a time in your life that's really beautiful and keeps you centered in your emotions and doesn't leave you feeling unsettled, yay. Yeah. I love that. No, for I me, don't have any any odd feeling if I see a photo of him, no. I think that is awesome. Yeah. I I did not feel that way. Okay. And the photos of me and my ex were, first Triggering. of all, everywhere. And every every day, another Facebook memory popping up. And they were deeply unsettling. And I just pretended that they didn't exist for a while. And friends were asking me like, oh, Rebecca, are you going to delete those photos? It was awkward dating and still having all of those photos of my my ex-husband up, you know? Well, I was actually going to ask you as well, like when you're on grief leave for a year, like what what happens? Like, do, you, do you go out? Do your friends come over? Like wh- how did they deal with Rebecca being on grief leave? Like, I mean, it's not like you're, it's not like maternity leave. So um, <laughs> how do you do that? Like, are we going to get this in, you know, gosh, please don't put it forward for the government because honestly, along with maternity leave and everything else, we'll never have anyone at home. We'll never have wedding work working. I have so many follow-ups to that because, I mean, in America, most private sector companies offer bereavement leave and it's three days and then you're just expected to come back to work. And I didn't even have bereavement leave in state government. So I think you were gone a, a year for taking time because I was a crazy person and had worked so much overtime throughout my entire career. I took a month off when my dad died. I had the time to do it and then went right back to work and worked overtime again through the pandemic. But anyway, I do not recommend that everyone quit their job to go on a year of grieve leave. Don't do that, right? Like most people, <laughs> that doesn't actually make don't sense. Don't do that. Don't do that. But for me, I was in a really privileged position where I could. And that's an immense um, gift that I, I was able to take that time. And I really believed that if I could take that time, I wanted to do something really good with it. So I was going to write about my experience and I'm 
I'm really touched that it's resonated with so many people and grown into this whole Brave Lead movement since then. I mean, that's incredible to me. But my friends were so along for the ride. Really? And my brother was along for the ride. Yeah. I mean, they had to be. I have I have one family member left. It is my brother. He is the best person on earth. We are incredibly close. In my year of grieve leave, my last living grandparent, my late mother's mother was still alive. So Nana, she was involved in my year of grieve leave. I spent a lot of time with her in her final months. She knew what I was doing. And my best friends participated in things with me. I threw a divorce party at the end of my year of grieve leave. Now that, um, that I'm down for. I might not be as down for grieve leave. But I'm a divorce <laughs> party I think most people should have, including the person who's left or leaving. I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, and actually I have a very, very good girlfriend who I did a podcast with and her husband died very sadly and very suddenly. And she, so sorry. she had a party. She had a party because that's what he would have wanted with his sons and everything. She said, I, I refuse to have a funeral. I'm going to have a party where we celebrate him. And it was amazing. I was like, I, at the beginning, I was like, okay, I'm not quite sure about this. Like, you know, she got a DJ and it, I mean, she, it, it was a proper thing. That's amazing. Yeah. And the sons. All are, music you know, he would have liked. Like a everything, DJ his for, whole life, a video awesome. about him. Um, he was extremely successful, extremely successful. Everyone flew in from all over the world and it was a party. And as I said, I'd never been to a funeral that was done that way. But then I was actually like, because the sons were about 18 or whatever they were. Yeah. I think about 17 or 18 at the time. And actually I thought, well, maybe that is a wonderful thing for them. You know, maybe it's looking, we're looking at it wrong. You know, they're celebrating his life instead of like all standing there. Like it's the end of the world for everybody. It's just, you know, um, obviously it's a sad thing, but it, it changed my perspective. There's no, I love that you're sharing that with your listeners because there is no wrong way to feel in your grief. There is no wrong way to feel. You can feel, every time I look at a photo of my father, he's my cell phone background, I feel so much joy and sadness. It's all there, right? I, I was not going to have like a DJed party when my dad died, but it was also COVID. So we, to your point earlier, we could really <laughs> the funeral. It's different When my dad died, you. my world kind of did end, but that doesn't mean that that is true for everybody. Like grieve in a way that feels authentic to you. No child deserves to lose two parents, no matter what, you know, anyone, you know, losing one is hard enough, I'm sure. And like no child should ever have to go through that. And I think it's, you know, that is a level of grief that a lot of people can never understand. Thank God. But, you know, at the same time, you have to get over it. You can't sit there and wallow and say, why me? Because it was unfortunately you. And I think, as you said, you have made it, well, you've made it your life mission now to turn something so- wild. Yes, something so negative. Is it wild though? I think it's pretty amazing to turn uh, such a negative into such a positive for other people. It's pretty amazing. You should be very proud of yourself. A lot of people would not come out of that hole. Thank you, Caroline. But you know what I'll tell you is I don't think we ever actually get over grief. I don't think we do. Because I and I don't and I don't mean that in like a negative Nancy kind of way. I mean that as like a like life continues and you change and you grow over time. But my parents are still dead. I'm still divorced. Those things are still true. Those losses are still true. And I will still have feelings of grief 
as different things happen in my life. My brother is getting married this weekend. I am so excited. I'm his best woman. I can't Uh, wait. I'm going to have a hell of a lot of grief this weekend because our parents are dead and I'm divorced. I'm going to be thinking about those things this weekend. Every major life event, like there are little pangs of grief. And that doesn't mean that I'm weird. It doesn't mean that I'm crazy. It just means that I'm human. And as we get older and experience more and more is hopefully I'll have kids one day. I'm sure I'll explore my grief for my own parents then again, too. You know, I think you're right. I think it hits you at different times. One of my best friends lost her son and I can tell when she's amazing and, you know, everything's fine and well, it's never always fine, but it's, you know, she's okay. And then, you know, there'll be certain times where it just, I think it hits her at night and you just miss that. You get those waves of just realizing they're gone. And I think, you know, it's, as you said, it's never going to go no matter how old you get. I think it just, it gets easier. And I think it just, um, you learn to live with it. I think you learn to live with it and you look for different things that you can focus on to get you through it. And like, she has two more children now. Not that they'll ever replace him, but, you know, it's learning how to cope, coping mechanisms, which is clearly what you've done That's to take exactly you exactly what it. we're all about. Yeah. is like, how do you support people to cope, which is what grieving is? It's actually making sense of all these feelings that you have and like sitting with them, whether that is through, I don't know, exercise, like exercise can help us cope with these really heavy feelings or painting. I am a terrible artist, but my mom was a wonderful artist. I wish I got some of those genes. Maybe painting helps you or writing or something else, throwing a divorce party. I mean, whatever it is, those are the things that we should do for ourselves to help us face our grief over time. But that's what Grieve Leave is all about. That's our mission. I think that's amazing. I really, really do. I think, you know, again, if more people sort of grieved their relationship or understood that it was okay, and I don't mean the self-pity as well. The, you know, the women, there is a lot of women out there and you know who you are that break up with boyfriends and make it that, you know, I'm never going to meet everyone, anyone, the whole world, all the guys, are, there's no good guys out there. My life's over, all of this. That is not what I mean. That is not grieving people. That is feeling very sorry for yourself. That is digging yourself deeper into a hole that, you know, is not helpful for you or anyone else. Grieving something, the loss of something means that, you know, not that you're going to get over it, but it means that you're allowing yourself those feelings so you can move on because there will be a resolution to this, right? You came out. Yeah, or move forward. Yes. Yeah. I feel like what you're hitting on is so profound. It's the difference between pity and empathy. Like, I don't want anyone's pity ever. And particularly, like, I'm thinking back to what it was like dating after my divorce and after, you know, two dead parents, the guys that I didn't want to talk to were the ones who pitied me. The ones who you can just tell someone's like, oh, I'm so, so sorry that happened to you. Oh, how did you, how did you get through that? Like the tone is a very pitying tone. But if we want to actually like be there for someone who is grieving, we need to show empathy, which comes from listening to them and comes from like, being present in whatever feelings that they have. But grievers don't need anybody's pity. And we don't certainly don't need to pity ourselves. I think you're exactly right. Yeah, I think it's there's a fine line sometimes. And I think, you know, obviously you have to allow yourself some of these 
feelings. Like it would be natural, as I said, to think, why me? Why have all these things happened to me? But, you know, there are other ways of looking at it. Like, you know, it's happened. I've, I have to move on. There is no changing it. There is unfortunately no changing your own circumstance. And that doesn't matter what's happened to you. You have to find the strength within yourself and, and no one can help you out of grief except you or, or pity, to be honest. And that's a very, very valuable lesson because I think a lot of people sort of sink into this hole and, and expect friends and family to sort of rally and bring them out of the hole they're in. And you can't expect other people to do that for you, nor will they. And I think, you know, the sooner you know that, that the only person that's going to help you is you, the faster you'll be able to get on with your own life, start your life again. And there is another life, regardless of what has happened to you. It doesn't matter what grief you go through. And, you you know, everybody experiences some type of grief in their life. There is another life, the other side of it. Everybody has another life, the other side of it. I think what you're hitting on too is like the only person who can grieve a loss is you. You have to do that work yourself. Like when my dad died, there was, I had to handle the funeral. I had to give the eulogy. I had to wake up the next day and it was still true. Same with the divorce. No one could go through that divorce except for me. No one could go through that loss except for me. And I think because I was so young, it was the first time that I really felt that deep sense of personal responsibility for my own well-being. And maybe that's the really empowering part of grief and grieving is that I learned what I am capable of. I'm still here. Anyone that's going through a loss who is still here today, you should feel damn proud of yourself because you have made it to another day and you are surviving. And that is really all that we can ask for when we go through loss, right? I love everything that you framed as like, there is life that can continue on. And let's embrace the fact that like, loss is a part of life. You are so normal, even though the world might want to make you feel like you're crazy for feeling grief. You're not. You're Uh, so normal. That's a good one. You're so normal. And I think it's um, important to, you know, put your loss into a perspective that you can live with. A lot of women that lose children say, which is a very, very, very unnatural, horrific thing for anyone to go through. And you can't, you know, I think that's probably the worst loss anyone can suffer. That is the one kind of grief. I find it very hard to sort of put into perspective and say, you know, how do you move on from that? Um, because it's just not the natural way round. But I think you you have to be able to find some sort of a positive or something that you look for or look to to help you through these things so that you can not just survive for the rest of your life, but hopefully go on and thrive. And by, well, by setting up something like this or by starting a charity or helping somebody else through their grief. I think can a lot of times take you out of yours. Totally. What you're speaking to is making meaning out of your life. Like you readjust and you're learning what brings you joy and fulfillment after a loss. And those might be really different things than brought you joy and fulfillment before the loss happened. And I think you speaking to women that have lost their children or any parent that has lost a child it is a devastating type of loss. 
pregnancy loss is devastating. Child loss is devastating. And that will stay with you for the rest of your life. My grandmother lost, she outlived everybody. She lost two daughters. My aunt when uh, she was young and my mom of cancer. And I watched my grandmother really embrace me and my brother as her grandchildren. And I think we brought her a lot of meaning. But losing your children is a devastating feeling. Yeah, I'm sure. And how amazing for her to have you. Um, Well, honestly, thank you. I've really enjoyed today's podcast. Um, Tell everyone how they can find you, because as I said, I think this is something that, you know, isn't so widely known or, you know, but there should be more help groups for for women or, you know, even um, women and men, everyone that experiences loss um, to be able to reach out and sort of, you know, know that they're not alone. Thank you so much, Caroline. Yes, you can visit us at grieveleave.com, G-R-I-E-V-E-L-E-A-V-E.com. That's a handful. You can find us on Instagram at grieveleave. We're on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. Our goal is to just bring people together who are grieving because there are not enough supports and there are not conversations that are happening on all different forms of grief whether it is divorce or death or something else. And you are absolutely not alone. And also, if you just love someone who's grieving and don't know what to say to them, Grieve Leave is here for you too. We are providing education and support for all kinds of folks and all kinds of grief. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to talk to you today. You are phenomenal. And thank you for doing this podcast. We've had an amazing conversation and it's been about pretty hardcore things. And we've had a laugh and we've also, you know, gone through, you, you, you can get through anything in life with humor, I think. Um, you know, totally. if you can- My you, dad would have said the same thing. My dad taught me that. And Caroline, I love that you said that. I think that's one of the keys to moving forward. We got to smile about something. You have to look forward and smile. Thank you for listening. You can catch my new episode of my podcast every Wednesday. Please don't forget to follow so you don't miss any of the action. I want to hear from you, so leave me a rating and a review. Follow us on social for all the behind-scenes action and more information at Uncut and Uncensored by Caroline. See you next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.